This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. Everybody, welcome back to The Scoop. This is Season 7, Episode 2, the Jalen Hurts episode. The... Got a fist pump from Boston Sam there, who's not an Eagles fan, but what the heck? Harry Irving, that's another number two. Harry Irving. I mean, there are a ton um, of good number twos. This is Dante's first turn at the number game here. Um, yes, John. Yeah, I went seven two, tight. so Trey Thomas. Seven two, yeah, Trey Thomas, former Eagles left tackle. Uh, it's the voice of Kyle Gauss Kyle. there. Kyle Gauss, Sam Cohn, Dante Colonelli with me. Any other twos or sevens? Refrigerator Perry, was he 72? 85 Bears? Was he 71? I don't know what number he was. I don't know either off the top of my head. I should about, know that. Can we talk about 72. 72. Can we talk about how that's an all-time nickname? The, ref, the Fridge. Fridge. He was that was such a dominant Bears team. What if we all just started calling John Fridge? Fridge, fridge, fridge to Carlo over there. <laughs> John nobody, nobody, nobody can see that. Nobody can see the video. They think you've just put on like 85 pounds since COVID started. I'll just like breathe heavily. And just uh, I'm on. <sighs> if I'm COVID on. won't get him, COPD will. <laughs> fridge to Carlo over here. John's on his seventh uh, Capicola ham hoagie here and uh, put on 85 pounds. Now I'm not. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully I'm not on death's door. Anyway, what a hell of a start this is. So uh, welcome back, everybody. We've got a lot more Temple football content for you. Uh, got more media availability this week. We'll be talking to you about uh, a bunch of positions, the linebackers, the quarterbacks, the receivers, um, answering a mailbag question or two here. Uh, we talked to, again, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, talked to Tyler Yelk today. A couple of the safeties were available. Um you know, earlier this week, we got to talk to like a lot of the linebackers, talk to Dewan Mathis and most of the quarterbacks. And then when it came time to talking about the receivers and the safeties, some of the guys that you don't always get to talk to, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, guys, we'll, we'll talk first, I guess, about the, the linebackers. We talked about this position group, I think a little bit last week and talked about how you've got a couple of standbys there in Will Quenku and George Reed. George Reed played more last year, kind of out of necessity. A lot of guys played out of necessity last year, but he flashed and did some things. But I think we talked last week about the fact that there is a lot of young talent and depth guys who might be with the exception of Kobe Wilson, guys who are taller and longer, but more athletic that really might push for time. So, you know, we talked to, uh, it was Jordan McGee was available. Uh, George Reed was available. Uh, Dante, what do you think stood out from that, that linebacker session? Again, it's a, it's a, a good group there where they could, you know, I don't know how things are going to go this year. If, if Will and George are going to maybe start the year, start the season off because the staff trusts them. But um, again, there are a lot of guys there. We haven't even talked about the blue position yet, but um, what stood out, you know, just from that session earlier in the week with, with what we're hearing, not literally seeing, but hearing so far from camp. Yeah. I think the big thing that stood out to me was, um, you know, kind of the the thing that we talked about last week is that we might just see all of these guys at some point, you know, during a game. And um, I believe, you know, they mentioned they might do like a five-man rotation 
which yeah. is something that stands out to me as somebody who, you know, studies a lot of tape. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a five-man rotation. The number's probably zero at inside linebacker. So, um, you know, I, I believe I asked Jeff Knowles, I asked him like, you know, functionally, how does that work? You know, like, what do you do with that? And he just kind of mentioned that, you know what, if they're playing well enough, I'll switch them out every other series. Or I'll do third it series or every like third that. series. Yeah. I mean, he, he named like a bunch of different scenarios. So I think that's the the thing that stood out to me is that, you know, Will and George have experience. They've been here a while, but um, I, I don't know if they're going to be the starter and I, and I don't know, you know, if they're going to be the guys who even play the majority of the reps at the end of the day, if, you know, if Rigby is competing for that spot and he's just playing better, if Wilson's completing or competing for the other spot, and he's playing better. I mean, this coaching staff is going to let the young guys play if they're really the, the better players at the end of the day. And, you know, I think that's what you want to hear. I'm getting flashbacks to like Jeff Collins's first year where Andrew Thacker was like, well, you know, at old defenses, Collins used to do hockey line shifts where the entire defense would change. And I feel like we're just at that time of year and we're in that time of camp where like everybody says that because they want to keep the players motivated. Right. You don't want the guy that's number fifth on the depth chart to be like, well, I'm, I'm halfway out the door. So like in an ideal world, sure. You can do that. But I think when it actually like gets into that, like live bullet situation, I think you're going to start seeing like, Nope, these guys are playing well. We're going to keep them in there. (laughs) It's kind of just what my gut reaction says. Yeah, like my my read on it is kind of similar in that I think that's Knowles' way of saying, you know, I kind of know in my heart of hearts that these younger guys are better fits athletically. Um, you know, again, like a guy like Jordan McGee is what, like 6'3", 225. Right. Um, now, again, Kobe Wilson's like 5'11", but... Yeah, yeah Kobe I, Wilson was 6'3", he's not at the temple. It's, no, no. Right. Um, but... I think that was his kind of way. I don't know. Again, I'd I'd be surprised if he goes with like that five-man rotation all season. I just think that might get a little exhausting and counterproductive, but I don't, maybe not. But um, like when you heard Tyler Yelk talk today about the safeties, by contrast, I know it's a different position. Now he did say, he was talking about MJ Criven, for example. He's like, now MJ's definitely one of those guys that's in the mix, but he's like, he's behind Amir. Like it was like, Amir Tyler is my guy, which is, you know, we all knew that, but he's like, I'm going to use MJ as like a swing guy. Um, and he really kind of came out. It was like an example of a position coach who's like, these are, these are my two guys who I know of, who have emerged. And we'll start talking more about the safeties a little bit later. But whereas I think, I wonder if it's just Jeff's way of saying like, yeah, I've, I've got two guys here who might be kind of holdovers, but maybe my hope is that the competition brings out the best in them. And then we, we get a little bit more out of Will Quenku than we thought we get a little bit more out of George Reed than we thought. But um, I think guys like, like Rigby and McGee uh, are really kind of the future. There are certainly Kobe Wilson. Um, and then at Bubo, it's uh, it's Quantel Reigns. Uh, and he said, you know, he's getting the first team reps there, but I, I think that's one of the most intriguing positions to follow because they're still, they're still trying to spell Sean Bradley, Sam Franklin, Chappelle Russell. And again, last season was completely screwy and it was all over the place, but it seems to me like they're hoping like this is the next generation. It's just how soon are they going to get there? One thing I'd add, um, and this is something we talked a little about and we asked for our carry about was like the whole, the narrative that Carrie talked about, about how the COVID season helped them help younger guys get reps. I think when you look at the linebacker position, that's probably where it's most prevalent. When you think about guys like Jordan McGee and Kobe Wilson, I mean, to Kyle's point, like it could all just be coach speak as of now of, you know, they, they're not, they don't actually play that kind of rotation, but for those two guys, I would, 
I think I could say confidently it's probably the position group I'd look most closely to to say that's where that effect uh, is most prevalent of young guys that really got legitimate reps a lot earlier than they might otherwise have. And then going into this season, um, that could be beneficial for the two of them. Sam, have we talked yet about the fact that we formally talked on this podcast about the fact that you are one of two Temple beat writers now for the Philadelphia Inquirer? We have not. And that's half the reason. So I, I, full disclosure, I'm on vacation right now, but I didn't, and I can't stay for the entirety of the pod, but I've missed the last two weeks. So I felt like I couldn't do, I can't miss three in a row. So I want to come both see your faces and come talk about Temple. He needs to show up every three podcasts. That way we keep giving him information. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) A little bit bit of synergy here. So yeah, Sam and uh, Bella Diamore, who's uh, a a fellow Temple student, who's also uh, a sports editor at the Temple News. They are covering Temple this year for the inquire sam's still going to be on our staff doing the podcast and some other stuff so yeah a little, little collaboration here but uh proud of uh proud of sam we hadn't talked thank about you very that exciting so. yeah very exciting we uh just got started a couple weeks ago i think like two weeks ago we officially got our start um only done a handful of temple football stories but yeah mm-hmm. looking forward to kind of getting into the thick of things especially once uh once the season starts and covering it's predominantly temple football and basketball but covering the whole landscape of temple athletics including olympic sports so there's a lot of awesome stories to tell and i'm excited about it yeah very cool proud of the summer of sam also kyle i don't need to be on the pod to get your information i can just edit the pod and listen to it to get your information i don't actually have to show up that's what that's what keeps the text message responses coming because i stare at them i go should i respond to this and then i do Uh, Kyle um, referencing me asking him for information for a story last week. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I mean, if I didn't want to give it to you, I wouldn't have given it to you. It's yeah. I didn't end up using everybody it, helping helps. each other. That's true. We're one big. That's a lie. I looked yeah. at that. One, st- that stat made the article. What are you talking about? Uh, one of them did. One of them didn't. Then yeah. Well, one did. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> everybody. <Kyle. laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, let's talk about the the quarterbacks again. Dewan Mathis talked this week. Um, Real Mitchell talked this week. Um, and Marion Valente talked this week. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about, well, I guess we didn't talk about it last week. Or maybe we did. Um, somebody mentioned this on our message boards. And again, I think it's just sometimes fans not understanding. If you are, you know, every quarterback, uh, every position goes, uh, every program goes about five or six deep, the quarterback, but some guys can get left out of the mix. Matt Duncan had his shot to start last year against CCU, was suspended, reinstated, but haven't heard a whole lot about him. But it sounds like uh, it sounds like Justin Lynch is impressing early on. Now he's not going to he's not going to start, but um, he they typically don't make freshmen available to the media, so he didn't talk. But um, some cool stuff and interesting stuff from from Dewan Mathis this week. He hadn't talked since since the spring. Uh, he talked a lot about what it was like to be recruited, what it was like to commit early on, have all this recruiting attention early on. At one point, he said, hey, if anybody, if any young people are listening to this, let this be some sort of lesson. Don't, you know, you know, do what's right for you. He also talked about how a lot of praise, criticism and everything in between. He, he referred to it as rat poison, which was kind of interesting. Dante asked him about um, what the transition was like. And we'll play this this clip in a second. Uh you know, the looks like the offense they had at Georgia versus what they're running at Temple. And if it was a, a, a challenge for him and he said, really wasn't, it really hasn't been a challenge. He said, we did a little bit of everything, right? Then he said, we ran some pro style stuff. We did a little bit of everything at Georgia and it's kind of helping me, you know, prepare to be a better quarterback here. But I, overall I was, again, he's got to go out and execute. Sounds like a pretty composed, mature, 
versatile, uh, you know, guy with a lot of different perspective on this stuff. I don't know what you guys took from that, from that media session, but I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he was good too. He said everything that you, that you want to hear the starting quarterback say at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to play that clip that he talked about. And I thought, you know, you watch Georgia, right? Georgia's known as this kind of like, we're going to pound the rock team. We're going to line up under center, right? They've got a million running backs in the NFL for a reason. Um, you know, but Mathis gave a really good answer. He mentioned um, Todd Munkin playing under him. You know, Munkin was an offensive coordinator in the NFL for a long time, and he was the offensive coordinator at Georgia last year. So he kind of brought a lot of interesting spread concepts to Georgia last year. And that seems like it's helping Mathis right now. And, and he seems to be up to speed in the playbook. I mean, you know, they named him the starter in the spring when they said they weren't going to, you know, if he wasn't getting a good grasp of this offense, if he was really far behind, you know, they wouldn't have done that. So I, I like, I agree with John. He just seems so composed. He seems, you know, very quick on his feet and he's saying all the right things. We still have to see him play. I just think, you know, I don't want to get too overhyped about him because there's so much unknown. Like he really hasn't played football since high school. And really at the end of the day, he played like maybe a combined one football game last year at Georgia, but you know, you're, he's, he's saying all the right things right now. Mm -hmm. We'll play this clip here again. This is, uh, this is Dwan Mathis answering uh, Dante's question about, you know, again, all the different concepts and stuff that he saw at Georgia and how it's prepared him for being a temple. Uh, the transition wasn't difficult at all. At Georgia, we did a little bit of everything. We ran pro, we ran spread. Um, when Monkey got there, I was I was put into his system, his air raid pro style system. And then when Coley was there, I was in a pro style system. It, it, it actually didn't do anything but make me better because now I can apply all those things to this system and put pieces together and put, uh, you know, like different details with this, different details with that, seeing one high, two high, knowing where to go with the ball if I get this coverage and knowing different scenarios, um, knowing when to run the ball, knowing situational football, it all has grown me into a better player. So I say it was an easy transition. So one quick question I have for you guys about um, about thing about DeJuan Mathis stepping into this role and what we heard from quarterbacks coach Jake Landry this week is were you guys surprised to hear Jake Landry say that the offense would be relatively similar, pretty much the same as it has in recent years, considering how different DeJuan Mathis is of a quarterback than, let's say, Anthony Russo? That's I, I'm glad you brought that up. That stood out to me, too, and I don't really know what to make of it. I don't know if that's kind of just him. I don't know if that's just coach speak and them just trying to keep things close to the vest. I mean, we'll find out in the first few weeks. Again, they might not roll out everything. You know, they're not going to roll out uh, – um, you know, everything against Rutgers certainly, but I, I, that kind of struck me as interesting too. Um, and again, I think that my educated guess and nothing more is that he said that just to kind of play things close to the vest. I mean, maybe that, maybe it's his way of saying, yeah, we still want to just use some of the same concepts. It's just that we, maybe we think Dewan's going to execute him better, but that, that did stand out to me too. I think that's an interesting thing to take note of. Yeah, no, it's definitely noteworthy and it's, quote worthy i guess but uh, i, I kind of go back to i was looking up to see who said this but i don't know about the thing of like pay less attention to what people say and more to what they do um because yeah what what's the point in them being like well we're actually going to roll Dwan out more and we're going to do this and blah, blah blah i think you've seen a couple times when they peeled the veil back and they've shown some video during this camp that Dwan's outside the pocket Dwan's keeping it in the red zone more i mean i i, I still think it's a for the most part it's coach speak um in the end, 
a lot of these plays, I think we talked about this last week, was a lot of the times where I think you're going to see the difference between Dwan Mathis and Anthony Russo are going to be improvising plays. Mm-hmm. And you can call the same play. It doesn't mean it's going to have the same result in both the same way uh, with two very different quarterbacks. That was really the biggest thing that he said in terms of like how Dewan Mathis has taken that jump and separated himself uh, in the quarterback battle for, uh, fighting for the starting position is that he's just been able to extend plays. He's been able to use his explosive ability to, to just make plays with his feet and extend plays, which is really the biggest thing and the biggest difference for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, where he's fighting for his life and doing all these things, but just being able to kind of – because they have a pretty good offensive line, right? Like he's going to have a, a – he's going to have time, and it's, he's going to be well protected. I just think that he adds that extra wrinkle, that extra spice that allows them to kind of be more effective, especially in the red zone. I mean, I always go back to kind of like when Anthony Russo was here, Rod Carey talked about like – he was still just like a, like a half second slow on his decision making in the red zone, and he did he he wasn't trusting his feet enough to know exactly when to keep it and things like that. And I don't think that's going to be an issue with Dewan. Yeah, Dante, you talked about that last week, right? I mean, like that we the fans shouldn't necessarily expect like oh they're going to be like fifteen design runs for him a game. It's more so like what can he do under pressure? What can he do outside of the pocket? And that's where you might see him make more of his more of his impact. Yeah, I, I think when when Landry was talking about that, you have to understand when you're talking to like offensive coaches about this stuff, when you ask like, is the offense going to be different? A lot of times their mind is going to go immediately to specific play calls and formations, right? Like Temple's still going to come out and be a spread team. They're still going to run incredibly similar passing concepts. In fact, I would wager they probably don't change much at all. Um, and, you know, they're still going to try and attack teams horizontally and vertically in the passing game. I think we're just going to see a, a player in Mathis who, like everyone here has said, can extend plays with his feet a little bit. Uh, you know, the key for him is, you know, Russo gets a lot of crap from Temple fans. But at the end of the day, he was a solid college quarterback. He can throw right. a football around the yard. He's getting NFL looks. So, you know, the big thing for Mathis is Kyle's giving me the head nod. He's on the senior bowl watch list. He's getting NFL looks. Sure. Whether, so is any, we, so is anybody that a college submitted their names to. That's one thing Temple's bad as. Not to go on the uh, side no, note. Let's see whenever let's whenever see people talk about watch lists, and senior bowl is a little different because there's actually a committee for right. it. But when you talk about like the Nagurski trophy and blah, 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 it's literally the universities being like, I think this player should be on the watch list. And they want to put the graphic out there and they want to do this. And fans go crazy saying, look at this, our third string linebacker is on the watch list for this temple is bad at that temple has not submitted the right stuff for this also he might not be getting looks at the big 10 media day let alone the nfl like there's a good chance he does not start week one but yes he hasn't he absolutely does have the arm strength in the nfl yeah i, I don't think he's going to end up the season as a starter Interesting. I also think it's going to be a pretty bad Michigan State team, but it is what it is. I will concur there. I am In my other job, I am tasked with watching the Big Ten, and I can confirm that Michigan State is not good. But my larger point was that at the end of the day, Mathis is going to have to do more things with his arms, with his arm than his legs. And that's what's really going to – that's what's going to put him over the top. You want to know what's going to make him really better than Russo is when he does get outside the pocket, if he's accurate and he actually makes plays out there. Yeah. That's – at the end of the day, that's where it's going to matter. So – um, I, I wouldn't read too much into, into Landry saying that there's not going to be a ton of change. I think he's talking about, you know, formations and passing concepts and different things like that. You know, the big change is what does Mathis do on the fly? Yeah, just to echo that last part, is I think a lot of times when you're talking off to coordinators or quarterbacks, they're just thinking like, well, our, our offensive philosophy is not going to change. We still want to set up the pass with the run and we still want to do this and we want to be balanced. And it's the same quotes every year. So, like, yeah, we'll see what they look like against Rutgers.
let's flip over the receivers here. And I thought this week was interesting because it was less about, you know, we know that the Jaden blue and Randall Jones are the top two receivers in that group. Um, I didn't get a chance to hear Thad Ward's comments, but I know, um, you know, if you guys read uh, Dante's story and you, and you um, read about what he wrote um, and you've heard this too, um, some of the younger names are, are coming up now. And one of the things that Dante um, wrote about was that Jose Barbone, it's not necessarily set in stone by any means that he's kind of locking down that, that third receiver position, wherever he's going to be outside in the slot or whatever. And these other names are coming up now, which is again, what you want when you're developing guys like Devon Fox, Malik Cooper, Malik Cooper's name continues to keep coming up. I think Rod mentioned him as a potential guy in the return game. Right. Um, what'd you guys think of, of uh, Dante? I'll start with you there again. I mean, again, it's, I'm looking forward to actually just seeing some of practice, even if they scale back stuff and, and get the important stuff out of the way before they bring us in, who knows what it's going to be like, but, um, but yeah, they have to build that depth there because blue and, and, and Randall are going to be gone after the season, but those are the names that sound like they're coming up. Quezzy Evans here and there. There's always, there's always the chance blue comes back, right? I think we're all in agreement. He's not like, he's going to leave, but he could come back. Yeah. But what do you make of some of the, the, of, you know, Thad talking about some of the younger receivers and even, you know, other guys talking about some of the younger receivers. Yeah. I I mean, I think the thing with Jose, I, when Jaden talked, I I guess that's two weeks ago now, or or last week, you know, Jaden kind of mentioned when I, I think I asked him like who's standing out to him and he said, you know, obviously we want Jose to step up, but he hasn't done yes. that yet. Yeah, I forget his exact honest. quote, but he said something to that effect, right? Which is something you usually hear from a coach, not a teammate. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, you know, and Jose, ironically, and I, and I wrote this in the story, is that he's got the chance to be like the number one outside receiver for this team, just based on where they've taken their snaps. Barbone took the majority of his snaps outside and uh, the other interesting thing is when we talked to Randall and Randall said, Hey, I'm playing outside a lot too. You know, they talked about cross training. Everyone's playing inside and out. I think, you know, that was a lot of coaches speak. I mean, they are legitimately cross training those guys, but at the end of the day, I think they're going to have some defined roles. Um, kind of like how we talked about with the linebackers <laughs> a little bit, you know, they can say they want to switch those guys in and out as much as they want. I don't know how much we're going to see it, but um, you know, Jones played almost exclusively in the slot last year. Jaden played almost exclusively in the slot last year. Like someone's got to play outside. Like they, someone's got to do it. You can't just have nobody out there. So Barbone's in a good shot um, to, to do that. But we haven't heard uh, good things from, you know, Jaden right now about Jose, which is interesting. And then Fox seems like he's the opposite starting slot with Jaden. I think Jaden said that as well. Uh, he's a guy who keeps coming up. He's popped up in the practice blog a couple of times. Seems like he's working well with the twos and the threes when they're not doing four receiver sets. So those are two names that we've heard. And then Malik Cooper's the other one. Rod mentioned them in the return game. I, I think a couple of the quarterbacks talked about him. Um, where I think we're going to play that clip from Thad Ward uh, talking about Malik and just kind of what he's been able to do this uh, fall. It seems like he's having a really, really good camp. So muddled receiver room. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do because you know, like I said, they need someone's got to play outside. I don't know who it's going to be. And Jaden, you know, he's a slot. I think Randall's a slot, you know, that whether that's crazy or, um, you know, whoever that ends up being, it's going to be interesting. I think that's one of the more interesting battles to watch the rest of fall camp is kind of who comes out day one. And is that starting X receiver for temple? Because it it might, it might be an odd name. It, It really might not be the one that we're expecting. Ronnie Stevenson's name comes up every once in a while, but not enough. I mean, he'd be size wise, he'd be great, but you know, you, you hear his name a little bit, but I, 
not enough to where you think he's doing it day in and day out at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about this now, if we want to talk about this after we play the clip. Um, but my, my kind of takeaway is, yeah, I mean, I think Quasley Evans has a chance to carve out a role. I mean, he's bigger, he's stockier, he's bulkier than like a Ronnie Stevenson. They list him at 210. My issues with Cooper, not an issue whatsoever, is I think you still have to factor in the roster management aspect of this. Like, yes, he might be turning heads, but do you really want to burn a red shirt on a kickoff return guy for somebody that might end up being a starting slot down the line? Like, Well, you don't worry about burning a red shirt now, right? Nope, you absolutely do. That was last year. It didn't count. This year, 100% counts towards eligibility. Um, so, no, I know, but I'm saying you can still play him. Don't you still have the rule of, like, you can play him in four games and see sure. what you have, right? But, like, what if you play him four games and then he's – still the best kick returner and next thing you know he's a i mean it is what it is like it can all, it can all right. come out in the wash um but like yeah i think i still think there's one of the ways i think they're going to be that they're going to have to juggle is how are they going to get all these guys on the field uh i think you're going to see you know wide receivers in the backfield at times i think you're going to see multi-sets like that like i think there's enough pieces for them to be creative i agree they definitely need to find somebody outside jordan agrees as well jordan's a big <laughs> fan of uh jordan smith who <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard much of actually this this right. fall now that I'm talking about. It. You heard about him a lot in the spring, about how the experiment of him kind of splitting time between tight end and wide receiver might be panning out. But I will be curious. Yeah. All right. Here's the clip of Thad Ward, Temple's receivers coach, talking a little bit more about Malik uh, Cooper again, the, the stand up for St. Joe's prep. Uh, uh, we love, had a good we 33 right game too, right? Yeah, yeah, so uh, we touchdown. Yeah, so uh, again, that we're talking about. He's out there playing, he's playing. he understands what's going on. It's a lot going on. Uh, Organized chaos out there on the field, and he understands how to handle himself. A lot to learn still, um, uh, but he's headed in the right direction. The one thing that stuck out to me with that, and it, you actually heard something similar uh, with Tyler Yelk when he was talking about Corey Palmer, um, is saying, like, we recruited the right guy. We recruited the right, like, Philly guy that is going to be Temple Tough is their go-to thing, right? I mean, Corey Palmer might not see the field as much this year. The same thing. There's a, a number, a numbers game at the safety position. But I feel like Malik Cooper, for everyone that wants Temple to recruit local, and they are recruiting local in this recruiting cycle. For everyone that wants to recruit local, it looks like they might have hit on Blake Cooper, a guy right literally from their backyard who had Mac offers that they trusted the film. They took they took the chance. They had the relationship there. So I think they were still making inroads at obviously a football factory that they have a huge connection to and gave him Fonte with Blake Cooper. So that that's encouraging. Dante, what I kind of want to talk about since we keep talking about, well, these guys are slots and Randall Jones plays out of the slot and Jane Blue, Blue can do this. I think if you take 20 years off the clock, people kind of envision like, well, I'm going to have bigger wide receivers on the outside that can go up and catch 50-50 balls. I'm going to have shifty little Wes Walkers on the inside. They're going to get drilled a million times a season. Wes Walkers? Oh my God. I mean, he was a phenomenal wide receiver. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard the name in a while. Like they or Julian Elements, whatever you want it might be, that like that. But in today's college football, we see a lot more flexibility than that, right? Like we see a lot of different routes out of different positions on the field. So when we when you're saying, hey, it's gonna be curious who plays the X, who plays outside, what situations are you kind of envisioning these wide receivers in? Right. Well, I think um I think a good frame of reference for that is like just think about Brandon Mack, right? Where it's like, you know. Who's going to be the big, tall dude who catches the ball over two DBs 40 yards down the field, right? And, you know, there's a lot of packages where, like, you know, if you're going to put three tight ends on the line, you're going to go heavy. I mean, you can't have a slot receiver. Like, there's just no room for them. So you have to have someone who's an X receiver. 
Um, another thing too, is like, you know, if you're going to stack guys in like a trips formation, right. You want that X receiver out there. Cause he's a good blocker typically. Cause he's just got more length to block with, right. Like we don't want Jaden blue trying to block, you know, a six foot three corner on the outside. Right. Like that's, so that's the stuff that pops to me, right. Is you need to kind of have that balance. A lot of, you know, in scouting, they talk about building receiver rooms, like basketball teams, right. Where you want to have your small shifty guys. And then you want to be able to have your tall dudes who can, you know, rebound air quotes and football is just, you know, boxing out in the red zone going up to get the ball. I mean, how many goal line fades have we see them throw to Brandon Mack over the years, a ton, who's going to take those reps. Who's going to take those shots. So it's less about like when the out, when, you know, when temple rolls out in week one, who is the starting X receiver? It's who sees those reps in those key situations, like you said. So I think that's a really good point. And like, I don't know who that's going to be. I don't really know if they have one like really good on the roster. So it, it's just interesting, but they do have a ton of slot guys. There's a lot of slot stuff going right. on. So, you know, so, we'll see. so I mean, I, unless they can go to Willy Wonka and all of a sudden take a potion that makes them three inches taller, you're not going to manufacture <laughs> size. Right. So in, right. in basketball, you have the ability to go small and you, you go with four guards and you do all this. Is there the possibility in football to do, but we can get away with smaller wide receivers who just might happen to play outside. Or do you utilize, or do you have to utilize tight ends and things like that? That's what I was going to ask that that was going to like, do you throw because he's, well, I don't know, Dave Martin Robinson, they list him up to like 255 pounds. He came in lighter than that. Like, is he still agile enough and quick enough to, to, to go outside on occasion? That was going to be my question to Dante, or or is that a non-starter there? No, I mean, I, I think if, if you're, if the coaching staff cares about, size right like if that's the reason that they want an x receiver on the field is because of size then yeah throw a tight end out there right because at the end of the day like if you just want a guy who's going to win a jump ball put the you know six foot plus 250 pound guy outside if they care about a guy who they want to be able to win as a route runner um you know win down the field a little bit more consistently like Maybe you put a receiver, you know, you want to put a receiver out there versus a tight end, unless it's like a Kyle Pitts, Rob Gronkowski type, you know, one of a, one of a lifetime tight end. So they could do that. I, I think, you know, Kyle mentioned going small. I, I mean, I think Temple might have to go small a little bit as far as where they funnel their targets, just because, you know, the two best receivers on the team are, are primarily slot guys. And like, you can line Jaden up outside and he can beat a corner on a quick in breaking route. It's not like we're not going to see Jaden and Randall win reps outside. It's just that like, you know, if it's third and goal with 30 seconds left, are you throwing a fade to Jaden blue? I, I don't know. You know, like who are you trusting in those spots? Right. So, you know, it's less about like volume. Like I don't think whoever the X receiver is going to be, is going to get a lot of volume. It's just those key spots, those key situations in certain formations where they need to come up big. And like Brandon Mack just was always that guy who able to do that. And I don't know if they have that guy on the roster. So if it's DMR, great, <laughs> fantastic. But I, I don't know how realistic that really is. Learning the phrase going small gave a lot of Temple basketball season ticket holders some, some bad memories. <laughs> what about a trick play package where you bring in Real Mitchell and Juan Mathis splits out wide and becomes your ex receiver on a play? I think uh, we've learned through some interesting lines of questioning that he played wide receiver uh, earlier. So maybe he's, maybe he's got a little bit of juice left. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I will move along here to um, again, talking about uh, the safeties. And again, we're recording this later on, on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening here. Uh, Tyler Yelk spoke today. uh, And then you guys got who later on Deshaun Winston and who else? Uh, 
Amir uh, Tyler and oh, Amir did talk. Yeah, yeah, we got Amir, Jalen Ware, and Deshaun Winston. But what I miss, uh, but what I miss from the players again, we talk. We'll talk about Tyler Yelk in a second, but uh, we know Amir. He's 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 come along. He's he's one of the leaders in that program. Um, you know, a, you know, had some good offers coming out of uh, high school and at Lakewood, and now we know he's progressed, progressed, progressed. Now he's one of the elder statesmen on that team. He's on the leadership council. Um, we know that he has locked things locked down that strong safety position. What did you guys from hear from him and some of the other guys today? I think the, the one consistent thing that we heard from all three of them is that they all feel like they've taken a jump mentally uh, with the playbook. I think we heard that from all three of the guys and, you know, it was kind of funny. I asked Amir this and he's been here for six years. I was like, you know, what are you trying to get better at? Like you've been here for six years. Like, I feel like this has got to be, you know, deja vu for you and he just kind of mentioned that you know I'm working on my football IQ I'm trying to see the game a little bit better and he thinks he's making strides that way you know Jalen Ware played a lot last year he was a starter for a good chunk of the season I think he played six out of the seven games as a starter if I remember correctly so Mm -hmm. you know he feels like he's more comfortable with the playbook uh Deshaun Winston didn't play last year um you know Tyler Yelp talked at length about how impressed he's been with him and how he's you know gotten back into football shape and how he's progressed. And then Winston came on and he basically echoed the same thing. He was like, yeah, like I know where I'm supposed to be now. I understand my assignments. Like, you know, I feel really, really good about, you know, the, the way that I'm playing, I'm playing fast, I'm playing strong. And, you know, that seemed to be the, the consistent, you know, carryover from all these guys that they feel like they know their roles better in a position like safety. I mean, that's so important. You have so many responsibilities, no matter which safety spot you're playing. So it's a good thing to hear. We'll see if it's actually true when they take the field, but that, that seemed to be the big theme today. I mean, what's interesting part to me is this is the first season that the safeties have had the same position coach back-to-back years since what, 20, since Phil Snow was here. Because uh, both, because you know, Nate Burton came in the second year of Jeff Collins, then it was Melvin Rice was there for a year because Fran Brown was coaching corners, and then Yelk Yelk the last two years. So I mean, I think that familiarity can do nothing but help them, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're a guy like Amir Tyler, who's in his sixth year of college football, like he's been here for a while, it's going to be hard for him to be like, okay, well, I know that if I work at X, Y, and Z, I'm going to shave a a 20th of a time off my 40 speed. The best thing that he can focus on right now is getting more and more comfortable with the system, which it seems like he is. And like he said, working on his football IQ, he pinpointed William Quenku as somebody that's like really good at identifying, like, this is what's happening right now. This is what the offense is doing to us. He wants to hear that. We know our position. Amir Tyler needs to be that in the backfield as well. Amir Tyler as a six year guy, a leader on this team needs to have a better ability to recognize plays. And I think that's what he said he wanted to focus on. That's what he's gotten better at. Nothing but encouraging words from somebody who's going to be a what is his second or third year as a single digit. His second year as a single digit. So I mean, he needs to be a leader on this defense, and he's finally got the ability to kind of set his feet a little bit. Another guy too, who you know, we, we're not talking about the defensive line today, but a lot of guys have spoken very highly of Walter Stewart. You know, a, a guy like Amir, who's seen. I mean, again, he's a Matt Rule recruit, so yep. he's seen every. He's seen everything along the way. He's one of those guys that quote unquote has been through a lot. You know, when some of the guys left. And you talk to some other sources on this. Well, some of the guys have been through a lot. They decided to peace out and leave and, and kind of write their own script. Amir has been through a lot. And he said on a couple of occasions, uh, Tyler Yelks is good a coach as I've had here. He can help me get to the next level. And I think you even heard Tyler say today, he's like, there's still more that Amir can do. And I think his goal, not that it wouldn't be for any other guys to get him to the league, to get him to the NFL. 
that was something that came out today. And again, the other obvious storyline that you guys mentioned is that, you know, Deshaun Winston was an opt out last year, but there are, you know, camps maybe halfway over and Tyler Yelk wasn't bashful today about saying like, yeah, he's, he is in the, he's in the lead. I forget what his exact. It's was. not halfway over. It's only been like a week. This is like two week two. Week this is, they left, this last, they left last Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think right. it's their eighth almost, practice. Yeah. Almost half. Bronx. Three weeks from today is is the uh, season opener. Yeah, nope. almost, almost a little. Almost so, I mean, I think it's fair. We can categorize camp as like up until game week, right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah. But sure. yeah, I mean, he's the you know, you know, he's saying he's there. He's there at that other at that other position. Kind of again, things can change, but really, he really lapped Jalen Ware at that position. Yeah, he's got good size. I mean, he's he's six three. So that was another another thing that came out of today. Also seemed very high on MJ Griffin. You know, he said he's another another one of those signature guys. He said he plays a lot behind Amir, but he also described MJ Griffin as a swing guy. I think we can all agree that MJ's probably probably more of a an in the box guy that really likes to hit. But if they think he's a swing guy, then that's that's a good thing that they're seeing that out of him. And yeah, I think, I think real quick on that. I mean, I think we'd all be in agreement that he's Amir's heir apparent, right? right. Like when Amir's gone, MJ Griffin's so. probably going to take that so. spot. Yeah. Safety is more, safety is not defensive line. It's not running back. It's not wide receiver. I mean, Phil Snow told us years ago, he's like, ideally you just want to put your safeties out there and they play. Try so to like, remember Kyle. <laughs> so I, right. So I think, I think with MJ Griffin, I think with MJ Griffin, it's more of a situation of, well, why wouldn't we cross train you a little bit here? If somebody goes right. down at either position, like you're good enough that we think that you could be a starter in this program. Let's give you the opportunity. And then Alex Odom played a lot last year. I, I don't want to say out of necessity. I think they legitimately like him, but you know, I think you'll probably see if everybody stays healthy a little bit less of Alex Odom this year, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad Oscar management wise. Yes. This is where things get interesting with last year. Is you have a guy like Alex Odom who played, he started three games. Do you, do red you redshirt him? him this year? Yeah. yeah. Like then he's still a freshman next year, but he's been here for three seasons. Like COVID has screwed up the roster management game, and you're gonna have to get creative with keeping people happy. Yeah. So I don't know. People that get paid more money than me make those decisions. Yeah. Right, we got one. We we went from a pretty full mailbag last week to two mailbag questions this week from Twitter. One is a, one is a goofy comedic. So we question had from... three and one's a goofy question. We have three. There's a third I thought, one. I thought, so. I thought we just got one. Oh, no. That was a goofy question from our friend, Nick Menta, former, uh, former golf channel writer. His, tw- his question to us on Twitter. Are you sad? They tore down Ebbets field, which is a reference to, uh, the Bill Hader, Herb Welch skit on Saturday Night Live. Dante, have you ever seen that? Have you, did you ever see Bill Hader? It's like the 40th time we've referenced this. Absolutely not. I'm glad you half explained it because I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you watch Saturday Night Live or no? All right. I have seen like Uh-oh. the highlights of Saturday Night Live, but I, I do Honestly. not watch it religiously. Anyways, I, all right. My, my grandmother was really into it. So I used to watch it when I was at her house when I was a kid, but I have not like watched it religiously and God, probably like 10 years almost. So. so I think that's, we're now a Saturday Night Live podcast, but I think that's perfectly fair because I think people that are relaying Saturday Night Live are nostalgic about like either, oh, the 70s with, you know, Buscemi and, and Chevy Chase and all this, or like the 90s where Will Ferrell was there and blah, blah, blah. So like, I feel like they just kind of do it on necessity. I don't watch it live anymore. I just watch it for YouTube the next day. 
I like, I think it's, I still watch it. And I don't, yeah, I, I'm one of those guys who could say, Oh, I grew up more in the nineties and I miss Mike Myers. You did. You, you, you did. They grew up. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't. I could say I did this. Well, it's because you did. No, I'm, what I'm saying is that I could say that those were the glory years and a lot of them were great, but uh, that's I mean, obviously Bill romanticizing Hader's, stuff, right? Well, Bill, Bill Hader has been off the show for what? A few years, right? A you while. Know? I think he loved like yeah. 2012, 2013. Yeah. But yeah, Dante, you should watch this Herb Welch skit. It's, it's, it's Bill Hader playing this guy, Herb Welch, who's like, should not be on TV anymore. He's got glasses and gray hair and he just like takes this microphone and keeps hitting people in the face with it shows up. And, uh, well, yeah. Cause Jason Sudeikis is in his ear, right? He's like, Herb, ask yeah. the question. And I won't take my instructions from a mannequin or from a can of hairspray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and he says he's, he's talking to, goes up to a kid in New York. And he goes, are, are you sad? They tore down Ebbets field. <laughs> so that's, I will just cool. say that Craig Menta, uh, would be very upset if he, or actually he'd find it very funny if he found out that we dedicated four minutes to explaining his one-off. Oh, he'll never, he'll, uh, he'll never hear it. Yeah. He'll probably have two months from now. Do you guys ever uh, answer my question talking about me on the podcast? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he will be listening this week. We don't know. Um, I didn't, you said there was a third question. I only saw a second one here. This it is- was a third question involving, including Nick. I, I'm looking at two questions. I can ask that, whichever one you don't see. Okay. Uh, there's the one here on Twitter from uh, this, the Twitter handles mdub20 will will howled howled. Um, what are your realistic expectations for this year? Seems like the offense should be pretty potent, but the defense is in flux with all the departing talent with the past year plus. I mean, that's you know pretty. John, you gave question. a keynote speak about speech about this recently, right? And yeah, actually, yeah. I'll give a, a shout out to Joe Morelli and uh, uh, a group of. Um, Temple fans uh, invited me over to Lulu Country Club yesterday to talk to them. So I want to uh, give those guys a shout out. Thank, big thank you to Dante and I didn't get the invitation. We would have gone out there. They lost it in the mail. I think. Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> I'll tell them to bring you guys next. Mild, near mild stomping grounds. I know. Yeah, I was all over Glenside yesterday. Yeah, you're on the other side, Glenside. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got this question. You know, again, I don't think this is anything different. Than what I've said. I think realistically, they're. Uh, we've said, you know, we, they need to show discernible signs of progress and show that they were not a one in 16 last year, obviously a lot of different pieces and parts, but I think they're a six win team. I think if, they, I think if they get seven wins this year, I think that's a very good season for them. I told that group yesterday that may not really excite you guys. I'm sure you want to see them go 10 and two, 11 and one, win the league play in a new year, six bowl game. Don't think that's going to happen. I just think they, they're not going to go from, from, from zero to 60 that, that quickly. Um, uh, you know, again, I think if a lot of things go right for them, yeah, I think if they're a six win team and they're playing in some bowl game, I think that's, I think that's huge progress for them. Um, I think that's how a lot of people feel like the offense could be pretty potent because you bring back your top two receivers. Everybody's excited about Dwan Mathis. You have some intriguing options at running back, but who knows? The offensive line is pretty stable, but yeah, when he says the defense is in flux, I think that's a direct reference to like, yeah, you've got some options potentially, but who's going to, who's going to pressure the quarterback with a, a really good player, like, like Arnold Epichetti gone. Yeah. I mean, see, I've been writing these, like these recaps, right. Of like position by position. That's what they give us, you know, during spring camp. And it's like, I get into writing these stories and I just have to like, keep going through and like, checking like all of these players and like almost learning about them on the fly. Like I know their names. I know where they come from. Like I know general things about them, but it's like finding out like, 
oh, like Alex Odom started three games last year. Like I found that out today when I was writing the safety thing. Like, you know, there's just so many question marks mm-hmm. about this team. Like you can go almost outside of the offensive line. Like if we're being honest, like outside of the offensive line, like maybe a couple spots at safety. And like, if you want to say like Jaden and Randall is the receiver room, but like every other position is just a gigantic question mark. It, it right. makes it almost impossible to predict this team. And it's just like very odd, right? Cause like, again, I think we're all very, very excited about what we've heard about from Dewan Mathis, what we've heard about him from players, coaches, you know, even what he said, but like, you know, I said this earlier, dude hasn't really played since high school. Right. I, I right. mean, he, you know, he had the opportunity at Georgia and he unfortunately got hurt. So like, and then you could go, you just mentioned the defensive line. Like we're going to be relying on Will Rogers. He played in two games last year. He's an opt out. Like, you know, Nick Bags might get significant reps in there and we've heard a lot of good things about him. That's cool. But like, he doesn't have a lot of playing experience. He's a young kid coming in there. Like how good is he going to be as a young player? If he plays real reps, you know, linebacker, Will Planku, George Reed, like they're established starters. That's fine. But like, how good of college linebackers are they realistically? Be, I hate that. Would they be, we, I think we're, if, if we're being fair, they would be backups in a very good program. Right. 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 So like, and then at corner, right. We're bringing in Cameron Ruiz, whether he's a slot guy, an outside guy, you know, but again, another unknown there, Keyshawn Paul, same thing. Like, I think I like that player, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a year. Like, it's just very, like, very, very weird to predict this team. But I agree with you, John. I think this is like a five, six, seven win team at the end of the day. Like they've got enough to get that amount of wins, but I think, you know, anything over that would be an overachievement. Dante is coming back like to his hometown after a summer camp. Like, I don't know. I, I think I like her still, but I haven't seen her in three months. Like we could be completely different people. <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like covering this team from last year. It's like, I, like, I think I like these guys, but man. I mean, it, is, it is it is a weird feeling right because like you haven't seen like real meaningful normal football Come, from back these from teams summer camp or the, in or... two years like it's been two years since you've seen like a lot of these players play oh, I, I heard it. i'm just moving on keeping the ball <laughs> i would say if you could tell me right now like gun to your head that like they're gonna have a a league average defensive line like they have a they're able to kind of like piece together like yep these defensive tackles are going to work out yep manny walker is ready for a next step Yep, Will Rogers looks like what he did in 2019 at, at Washington State. Mm-hmm. Like, if you could tell me that, then I'd be a lot more optimistic. I just don't like that's the biggest question mark to me. There's a reason it is because everybody left and they're bringing in all these pieces. I think I think the secondary is going to be fine. I think they have pretty good safeties. I'm I think I, I don't know if they'll be great. I think they'll be fine. I'm fairly confident about the offense. It's that defensive line. If you can get me an average defensive line, then I think they have a chance. As John said, they're a six-win team. I think if they get six wins, then that is a home run of a season for this team because that puts you in the right direction. You're not losing – well, I mean, you'll be losing probably the two best wide receivers you've had here since Robbie Anderson. But (laughs) other than that, you're not losing, like, a massive overhaul. Like, there's there's a lot of question marks, but there's also a fair amount, like, for people you can project into those question marks. So this is the most – choose your own adventure shit show of a season that we're, that we've been covering in a while. Cause I didn't, we didn't feel this way last year, right? Pre COVID like, or even prior to cancellations, Jordan's really pissed off prior to cancellations. <laughs> like you felt pretty confident going into last year. You had a fair amount of guys. You didn't know, you didn't know what was going to happen with COVID on that, but this year is just completely, we're just guessing. 
We're, we're putting ourselves it, as experts and we're guessing. I didn't think it was going to go off the rails as bad as it did last year. Yeah. I guess I maybe. Yeah, they won. They won eight games the year before, and they returned a lot of stuff from that. You thought, okay, they have a sophomore running back who's poised to do this, and they have a third-year starter at quarterback, and they have these the thousand-yard receiver, comeback and receiver. They're going to put up points, and then they did, and then their quarterback got injured, and then sixty percent of the team missed games with COVID. I think I don't know if this sounds kind of like an overly general thing to say, but I feel like. Part of the vibe you get from, and I'm probably really oversimplifying things, and I get that the coaches are not going to play their entire hand and they're going to generally try to be upbeat. They're not going to say, well, I don't know where we're going to get sacks from this year. I don't know where we're going to get this. We're totally screwed. And I don't think that they feel that way. But part of the vibe I get is like all these coaches are really happy to be away from Philly totally immersed in football after last year where they're waiting on the city of Philadelphia. What can we do? What can we not do? Guys are lifting in shifts. They couldn't even see each other there. Some of these at this point last year, these guys, I think some of them said they see each other in passing. Hey, I can't be in the same place at the same time with you. So I'm going to lift here in the tent. I'm going to pass by. You can't really even just shake your hand, give you a hug as much as anything. And I'm going to go off to go off to my residence hall or my dorm room, but they seem to be excited about being up there. And I think that like, they're generally excited about, a lot of the young talent that they see at linebacker, like even like Jeff Knowles, when he was talking, it was earlier this week, right? He was like, you know, he talked about defensive tackle and he's like, that's a, it was interesting. He was like, that's a grown man position. We can't put you out there if you're not strong enough to, to shed blocks and do those things. He makes a good point. And he just, I don't think he oversold it, but he was like really excited about what he saw in Nick bags. Really. I think he mentioned Demeric Morris from, you know, from, uh, from Chicago. And I, they might truly be excited about these guys. And I think he, he talked about, um, um, talked about not Zach Gill or did he talk about last night to Ray Trey as a guy that's good. Yeah. Play. He's like, we've been able to play him outside. And I think he is like legitimately, unless he's doing a great acting job, is legitimately excited about a lot of the young talent on the D line. And I think coaches go through that. And I don't doubt that they are, but then it's like, okay, if you start off, you know, one and three that now again, you're doing what coaches do. You're managing the roster. You're managing expectations. How do you hold it together when you see a lot of young guys, but young guys do what they'll flash one minute. They'll, they'll blow an assignment the next minute. So I think they are legitimately excited about that team. But again, like that's, I agree. I think if they win six or seven games, I think it's a huge accomplishment because of all the young pieces that they have, they could be good, but they're just as Dante said. And and I know it sounds like an obvious point, but I think it does kind of bring people back a little bit in a smart way. It's like, they are not very experienced in key, key, key positions on the roster. You mentioned if they go, they start one and three, well, if they start one and three, that means they lost to Akron or Wagner. So that's, that would be a, I think this, this, I mean, we can kind of segue this into the next question, but I think, I don't think the schedule helps them at all. Like, like they're getting Memphis and Cincinnati and USF and UCF right off the bat before we get into the kind of the soft underbelly of the conference. Uh, Next, next question or last question from uh, off the hook three on Twitter is uh, aside from Mathis, what needs to happen for the Temple to go six to six? Akron, Wagner, USF, Navy, winnable. I know Temple fans circle ECU as winnable, but ECU returns a lot of production expectations are that they are better this season. I think that ECU is one year ahead of Temple in rebuilding. Okay. Um, I mean, I think we talked about it. My question would be, my answer would be the defensive line really needs to take have some people emerge. I think you need to see Manny Walker and Will Rogers hit that same level of production, and I think you need two, three, four guys to emerge on the inside. Dante, 
I think my answer would probably be corner. You cannot have bad corners in this league and win football no. games, man. They just the, the league throws the ball too much. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't the Big Ten where you got like, you know, it's three o'clock on a Saturday, Michigan State's beating Illinois nine to seven. Like that's just <laughs> not this conference. So they threw the time in there. Like it's three yeah. o'clock on a is Saturday. Is that standard time? Are they in Illinois? Like is it actually like two p.m.? I guess it'd be 2 p.m. for them. It's like 3 p.m. for me. But like, you know, I don't know. That was like a very vivid memory for me last year. I was like sitting on my couch, like trying to sit through that Big Ten game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's corner, man. You you can't have bad corners and compete in this league, at least at the top, because Ritter, Gabriel, um, mm-hmm. you know, SMU's sure. got some young kid who looks pretty good. They got an Tanner Oklahoma transfer. More? Yeah, Mordecai's the Mordecai. Oklahoma transfer. And then they got yeah. like a either a four or a five-star freshman. Who looks Stone something. Them. Stone something. Yes. Look at me. Dropping some something. SMU knowledge. Look at that. <laughs> um, stone something. <laughs> but yeah, like you can't you can't have bad corners and win in this league, man. These quarterbacks are too good right now. So I, I think that would be the big one for me. But D-line's a good one too because, man, so many new names there. Well, I agree with you a corner because I mean, like, even if if Cam Ruiz is as good as you think he can be, and Keyshawn Paul is as good as you think he can be, um, I mean, Freddie Johnson's a six year guy, right? And it was yep. fast as hell coming out at high school, and we've heard that Miami was trying to flip him late on signing day, and um, but he's had even he's no longer really new to the position. I think we're done writing like converted wide receiver, Freddie Johnson. Yeah, he's, a, he's a cornerback. He's a corner. <laughs> and, you know, you don't need him to be a, a, like an NFL draft big. You just need him to be, I thought be great if he, if he was for them, of course, but he's been inconsistent. And then it's after that, you know, what else do you have there? Like does a, you know, I mean, there are a bunch of guys in the mix, but does like a, does a really young and fast guy that you're looking to develop like a day on Hawkins flash this year. And you say, Oh, okay, great. You know, he comes forward, but I agree. Like it's not just, again, as a reminder, like Dante said, they fit, they, everybody spreads everybody out in this league. They throw a ton. You can't just say, well, you know, if Keyshawn Paul's good and Ruiz is good, they should be set. No, you got to have three or four guys that are, that are good, competent. And, you know, again, last year was such a crap show with what they went through. But, you know, you saw when there was a lack of depth and the teams were just like plunk, plunk. It got it got out of hand in a hurry. You know, they're in a in the game middle of the second quarter. And then, boom, before halftime, it's like you could the, things are starting to unravel in the third quarter gets worse. And they can't have you. they can't have more of that this season. And well, I don't want to tempt fate. Blame it on COVID if things are are hopefully more normal. If you're looking around at your cornerback depth and saying, oof. You know, I don't know. That's that's a big position of of let that's a big question mark. I would agree. And again, there are a lot of them. But I think, and again, we'll talk more about the corners uh, next week. But um, but yeah, that's another another big one to look at. Yeah, I think one thing you're mentioning, if you're if you're penciling in Ruiz and and Paul as starters, I mean, you still need speed at that position. Whether yeah. that's Freddie Johnson or whether that's Jeremy Jennings in his third position, or yeah, Dayon Hawkins or. I mean, Jalen McMurray's name's been mentioned a fair amount. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. McMurray. They mentioned McMurray and Andrew Garwo this week, which again, that's good. I mean, McMurray had a pick, and again, I don't know. Well, well, Dante, I'll ask you this. I mean, there are certain positions on the football field, obviously, that can be plug and play from high school to college. Where do you think corner falls into the mix on that? If, if we're looking at a now again, like if we're looking at Andrew Garwo um, out of Conwell Egan. And um, and Jalen McMurray out of I forget what high school he went to down in Maryland. Um, but if it's, let's say those guys 
are, you know, they, they flashed for a reason and their names came up this week. How realistic is it to think that they could, could be getting them getting in the mix right away and maybe, you know, pushing for a starting job by week three or four. I mean, I'll preface this with saying like, I have not seen these guys play. Right. So like, I have no idea, like really none of us have at this point. So I don't know where they're at, you know, maybe they're just like outliers and they're very, very good freshmen. Um, Corner is one of the hardest transitions from any level to another that you can make. It's just, I mean, the, the jump in athleticism at corner, like when you're facing off against high school versus college wide receivers, I mean, that jump in athleticism is nuts. It is just like, it is going to take time for guys to get used to that. And the problem with corner is that you can be good 98% of the time, but if you're bad 2% of the time and that 2% of the time are 260 yard bombs over your head, you just came up like 14 points. So that's the problem with putting young corners on the field is that, yeah, it's great that they're great, you know, that they're great most of the time, but you can't be great most of the time and be a good corner. You have to be great all the time, especially right. in a league that, you know, UCF's going to throw the ball 55 times a game. Like you, you know, you're going to get thrown at, you know, this is not a league where you can hide corners. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe these guys are outliers, but that is, that's a really, really tough transition to make. I mean, there's just such a, like when, when they flipped Freddie Johnson from wide receiver to corner, I'll never forget this because I've had to watch this game like 80 times for my other job. They put him on the field, Reggie Roberson, SMU, they're at SMU. Reggie Roberson had like two touchdowns already and like another 45 yard bomb. And they're like, all right, this dude's fast. We're going to put Freddie Johnson on him. It doesn't matter if you're fast, if you let Reggie Roberson eat up that cushion and run yeah. right by you and then start turning around. And I'm not trying to like eviscerate Freddie Johnson it was not his fault. He shouldn't have been on no. the football field, but like that's, yeah. the, that's the transition at corner, man. It's hard. It is oh, really, yeah. really hard. Even if you're fast, even if you're athletic. Well, if you're thinking of the sad, that's the same game I thought of. And if, if you're talking two seasons ago, right. And Harrison hand didn't, I mean, well, nobody, nobody had a good game, but Harrison hand really had a bad game that week too. And then he really, then he had what the thumb injury and he was never really the same after that. Now, granted he was still drafted because people saw, are you talking about the game down in Dallas two years ago? Yes. Or are you thinking, okay, yes. Yeah, so if it's two years ago. Yeah. I mean, everybody struggled not, now last year. They did too. Um, kept it close in the first half last year. Right. And that was where we're tracking. Yeah, they, I think they, yeah. Granson had a couple big plays in the second half. I think that blew but, it open. But yeah, two years ago, yeah, really rough game down in Dallas. And yeah, yeah, he struggled. Harrison Hand struggled. Again, Harrison Hand still had enough on on film and enough that he could show um where he, you know, got drafted. But yeah, that was a that was a rough game. And, you know, again, in this league between them, they're gonna see, I mean, they're gonna see a lot of really good receivers. So it'd be another interesting position. Counterpoint. Yes, I feel like it's the hardest position to project to the next level. Is this a good high school corner going to be a good college corner? Is this good college corner going to be a good NFL corner? That or, you know, quarterback. It's also a position that you can use freshmen in. Like, it right. does happen. It's happened at right. Temple with Sean Chandler. Lin- sure, Linwood yeah. Crump played as a freshman. Just right. like a very average corner. He plays a freshman. You can do it. Should you do it? No, ideally you want – Redshirt juniors have played 20 games and know how to do this, but like you can do it. It's not like when you're, it's not like we're saying like, Oh, my left tackle, I'm going to rely on this. I'm going to, this is going to for sure be like a true freshman doing this. Like, I feel like it can be done. I don't know if it's going to be done. I think, I think there's still a lot of guys we haven't talked about with Nate Wyatt and Elijah Clark and, and Ty Mason coming back. There's guys that have played that should play before these freshmen, mm-hmm. but 
if three weeks from now Jalen McMurray is still picking off two people at practice and all this, then maybe he finds his way into the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> well, we'll know eventually. We won't be seeing every practice. Well, I, as I understand it again, and I got asked this uh, yesterday, and we've talked about this. I got asked this yesterday by one of the uh, the fans that was in attendance. How long are they staying up there? I'd said, you know, that there there's going to be some sort of open practice on August 21st. They'll at least be back by then. And again, we're I'm of the understanding that I think we might be able to and watch them switch this up. I think that we're going to get to see a little bit more of practice than like the last 15 minutes. So again, I was, you know, I think somebody asked me yesterday, how do you cover practice? I think we've talked about this and pro beat writers talk about this too. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, a coach might say like, Hey, on this play, I want you to roll, right. Throw into double coverage. We want to see how one of our guys does. If he can, if he can get up, pick off, pick off the ball in space, out, outwork a receiver. And then, you know, we could be watching and being like, wow, Dewan made a really bad read there, but maybe that's exactly where he was supposed to go with the ball. So we talk about what we can see, what we can't see, what you try to take from things. And sometimes it's like, uh, you'll hear the coaches say, okay, ones versus ones. And you get out there and you're scribbling down in your notebook. Okay. This is who went out there when they said that in the starting offensive line. So hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit more practice and we can tell you who was out there, um, you know, beyond like what you might see, you know, what you might hear the coaches talk about or what you might see on like the practice blog they put out there. But yeah, I mean, there's just, it really is. I think this, you know, your head's always on a swivel covering preseason camp because there's so much to watch, but this year there's just so many new faces and so many question marks. Again, if they, I know we've set it up like seemingly a million times now, if they win six or seven games this year, I really think that they're, you know, that the whole staff is doing a hell of a job. And I know that probably sounds very bland of Manila to fans who want to see them win nine or 10 games, but I just give them what they've lost and what there could be, what they could be plugging in. It just means a lot will have gone right. If they get to that point. I'll just say this. I've checked the roster for numbers a lot more. Like who is, who is that number? Yeah. Oh, that's so-and-so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is not usually the case. Yeah, well, that's another, speaking of numbers, I wonder, we haven't really talked a ton about it and I don't know, maybe it'll be more of a topic of conversation when they get home, the single digits. And again, like Rod will remind you like, Hey, past coaches don't have to fill them, but you got, you know, Randall Jones is at zero. Amir Tyler's at three. Will Quink who's at four. Uh, Jane blues at five. And that's, that's it. So they've got some, some other single digits that are open. Um, you think there are guys out there I, off the top of your head? I don't know if you guys have time for this. Off the top of your head, give me a couple guys that you think are shoe in single digit guys by before the end of, before the beginning of the season. Shoe in, shoe in, shoe in's tough. If they had fifteen shoe in single digit guys, we wouldn't be talking about all the question marks. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if this is a bold one, but just hearing the way that people talk about him, I wouldn't be surprised if Mathis gets it. I don't. Mm. I just it wouldn't surprise me. Like I, I don't. I don't know if that's like. Oh, hot take or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Seems like everybody. Oh, no, like I really think that's the guy. It. That's the guy I would think you know? of too. It's one of the guys I would think of. Yeah. yeah, the first quarterback since PJ, since PJ Walker to get one. No, I'm sorry, yeah. Frank Newtow got Frankie one. Newtow. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Frank Newtow got one. I have to. Um, off the top of my head, I, I could see DMR being in that conversation. This guy's been in the program for a while. Is probably bearing a shocking thing going to be their primary tight end. I could see that. I think Kobe Wilson. There's so many yeah. people that are there. I think there's so many people that are like still so young. That like Kobe Wilson, I will bet you at some point will be a single digit. I'm not sure if it's this year. Yeah. No, those are all the guys I would I would think of, but I think that'll be does George Reed work his way in? 
I don't know. He's a guy that he had survived a lot of regimes. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been around. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It wouldn't also surprise me if they just leave a couple empty. Yeah. But we're getting to the point where I bet you like they'll like trickle one or two out like this weekend or next weekend, and then they'll be like, well, there's still three left, and then yeah, the games will continue. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging with us for another week. Again, we'll have more coverage for you next week, uh, and uh, keep mailbag questions coming. Uh, big thanks to Dante, Kyle, and Sam for joining me this week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.